You're listening to Sex in Iceland with me, your host, Sikaduk, an Icelandic sexologist. I want to talk about love. Let's talk about love. You might be thinking right about now. Wait, isn't doesn't this lyric go, I want to talk about sex? Is she just misunderstanding something or? No, no, my friends. I am not misunderstanding something because I want to talk about love. As I drive into Reykjavik from my hometown on a very, very rainy morning, it is pouring buckets down here in Iceland. We had hail yesterday. Mm-hmm. So we had some snow. It's still September. And I just, like for the, in this month, I've been to Norway and Finland. And they're still having super nice weather and sunny and, and just warm winds. And it's been really nice. And then I come back home to my lovely freezing Iceland. Uh, what do we have? Rain wind, hail, and just all sorts of craziness. And you might be thinking, if you're listening to this podcast, why is she always talking about the weather? Well, you might be interested to know that a large part of my listeners actually resides in Iceland. And in Iceland, it is quite customary to talk a lot about the weather. Because it can, you know, it can be a hindrance to what you're going to do that day. It can set the stage, you know, set your mood for the day that's about to start so it can it can actually mean a lot of things it can hinder your travel speaking about travel I'm going to be traveling again today so you know we're always watching out for the weather I remember going to the Westman Islands I had sex out there and I was um, uh, yeah I was there and you go there usually by boat you can buy a plane but it's very expensive so we went by boat and as soon as I, I we got on the island and I got into the school I was teaching the first thing the teacher asked me was like how was the ocean? Was it was it good? Was it still? Was it calm or was it a little bit turbulent? Did you have many waves? You know, and they totally went into it. And I said, well, actually, I was kind of nervous because I, I was worried about getting seasick, and it, it will take me a little bit of time to then, you know, recover. And they were like, mm-hmm, I get you. Well, actually, when are you leaving? And I was like, I'm leaving on Wednesday. And then they pulled up this really, really complicated chart chart sorry chart of um like how the sea works i guess you can say that or you know the forecast just like for the sea and i was like i cannot read that like i don't understand anything that that says and they're like well you have to know about the forecast for the sea so they're like look at those waves look at those peaks look look at those lows you should be fine and i was like okay amazing very cool but also, you know, it can get, can get very dangerous driving here. So, anyways, this is not going to turn, you know, this is not going to turn into the weather, driving conditions, traveling conditions, podcast. Sorry for this. I bet you can hear the rain going down like crazy on my window. Oh, my God. It's But it's nice, you know. I, I don't actually mind the rain, it, you know, unless I'm trying to wear makeup or I've done my hair real nice. But other than that, I, I got myself, you know, a good set of rain clothes and boots and stuff. Anywho, so what I'm going to go do today is I'm on my way to have an interview. I'm, gonna, I'm doing an interview with one of the radio stations here in Iceland. And I've been doing quite a few now. I think this is my third on consecutive weeks. 
And we've been talking about various subjects. We've been talking about um, we've been talking about genitals. We've been talking about masturbation. We've been talking about relationships and sex within relationships. We've been talking about intimacy. But for today, today, for today, I figured let's talk about love. I wanna talk about love. And why? Yes, that is a good question you've posed to me, my friend. Well, and I know you should never start the sentence with this, so bear with me, okay? I had a dream. Mm-hmm, there you go. So I just woke up super early from this dream of just totally revisiting old love and an old lover and just going back into all those feelings of being so in love. And it was so strange. So I woke up, you know, and that relationship might not have ended on the best of terms. Um, and might have ended in a very kind of chaotic way. But still, I think it's so important that you are able to to remember the good times, as they say, but to keep on to those feelings of what it's like to be in love and to be loved. And I think this is where it gets a little bit complicated for people because I think people have a hard time letting themselves, you know, allowing themselves to think about past loves and past lovers because the hurt can be too great. The sorrow, the rejection, the abandonment, all those issues, that can still linger and even fester. But you know what they say, actually, it's all about attitude. Well, and some of it is about brain biology and body chemical biology as well. Um, and some of us are more prone to depression and anxiety. So, but, you know, having said that, it's often how we frame the, th- the, the issues that we're thinking about. So let's take, for instance, past love. A past love that was so great, so beautiful, so pleasurable, made you feel so good. I think I need to do press pause on the moments when you're replaying those moments where you felt really good, really loved, and you were able to express your love. And I think you need to edit your own memories. I'm serious. I think you need to edit it and be like, okay, I'm going to press pause here. This is what I really want to cherish. This is what I really want to turn into gold. But mind you, we're not going to go into obsessive thought. We're not going to go into... um, repressed thoughts we're not going to be like okay i'm repressing all the bad times i'm not going to deal with the bad times it's all about frame of mind that's not what this is it's not about being pollyanna it's not about being like okay you can treat me like shit and it's still fine you know that's not what this is this is about okay so i have experiences and memories of being in love of being loved of being able to express love okay and how did that make me feel and i want you to kind of um I want you to take those those memories, those feelings, a little bit apart, you know, become a little bit of a surgeon and slice them apart in little fine slices and ask yourself questions like, um, why was I so in love? Because I think love often it resides within us. So I think we put too much responsibility on the other person for our feelings of love. You don't make me feel loved. I am not in love because you behave in such and such a manner. And while that is an important part of being in love, the way our partner feels and behaves towards us, but it's also, okay, how are we behaving? 
what are my signs and cues for being in love? So it's like, okay, what do I need to feel in love? What to me makes me feel valued? What to me makes me feel those feelings of love? How do I behave? What do I say? Do I tell the person I'm with, I'm so in love with you because, or don't I even know? Am I just in love because I'm in love? Do I confuse love with lust? Or not even confuse, but I don't know, conflate or uh, tangle? Do I tangle it up? Can I untangle it? Have I been in love? Can I say that I've truly loved another person? And what kind of love? Because love has all sorts of different dimensions. It's not just one kind of love. And I do not believe that we only have one soulmate. No way, no how, Missy. I think we have a lot of soulmates that are out there. But I think soulmates are up to timing, okay? So say you have a pool of 15 soulmates out there, okay? And you might have met some of them, but the timing was totally off. So for this lifetime, yeah, babies, I'm going into karma and shit. Um, and reincarnation all that good jazz so for this lifetime it just may not be your time you know because the say the stage wasn't set you were you know your mindset was somewhere else or when you know you found that soulmate and you're you're like please love me back and that person that person's timing is off and you're like no Romeo and Juliet why is this happening to me and it can, and it does happen, and we'll get over it, because that's life. We get over stuff. So I was thinking about it, you know, if you're a person that's going to always think about every bad meal that they've had, and always be like, oh, remember when I had that really shitty meal? Oh, it was so disgusting. Oh, remember when that person said that really bad thing about me? Or do you remember when we had a really bad time at the movies? What kind of person are you, seriously? You know, quote unquote within you know goose lumps that's what we call it here guys a lot goose legs um quotation marks you know <clears throat> so negative feelings within those goose legs guys a we need to just press pause again on our brain because negative feelings are an important part of us and i don't even like calling them negative feelings it's just you know so you know what i'm talking about but those feelings of like i said in the beginning of maybe um not trusting or feeling rejected and all those feelings. Those feelings are necessary for us and we can learn from from them and we can review ourselves through those feelings and be like, okay, what did I learn? Was it my behavior? And how did that affect the other person's behavior? And how did the other person's behavior affect my behavior? You know, it's all a circle. So, you know, don't think that you don't need to go into the negative emotions because they are, and I don't like calling them negative emotions, they are totally important we cannot linger there like we cannot roll in the hay and be like hello darkness my old friend you know we're not gonna stay there we're gonna go all jedi on your ass and go into the light and luke skywalker here with me and be like shua 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 with your little sword and be like i want to stay on the good side i am going to be positive about this so what if you've never been in love you know so this last weekend, I spent the weekend at the Nax conference in Finland. So Nax is a Nordic as- wait, Nax is an acronym for the Nordic Association of Clinical Sexologists. Woo, lot to unpack there. And we have an annual meeting. So I am one of the um, because I'm the president of the Icelandic Association for Sexology. I 
usually go to these conferences and the board of NACS is made currently is made up of the presidents of each residing each country that belongs to NACS. So in NACS we have Norway, Sweden, Finland, Iceland, Estonia, okay, and Denmark. And who is forgetting somebody there? Um, so that's that's Knox. And we had we had all these amazing people speak. And I'm going to do a separate podcast, separate episode on that. Not a separate podcast, but a separate episode where I'll go through the presentations and I'll give you the little um, little chocolatey nuggets of what were the peaks, at least for my and in my opinion. Um, but for now, we I want to tell you about one thing. So we had this workshop, um, and it was like, what is good sex? Or it was essentially, what kind of sex will bring you to ecstasy? Which, I don't know, I don't necessarily agree with ecstasy and sex. Uh, and you can take that in any way, shape, or form you want to. But, um, so we had this, this what, what, what constitutes as great sex? And this question was posed to a room full of sexologists. And the amazing thing happened. And, she, and they even did like a guided meditation thing where they're like, go back to an amazing instance that you've had of sex. And, you know, everybody was like trying to get, go there and thinking about it with a room full of other people that they were not going to have sex with. Um, but then the funny thing happened. They're like, OK, you're in a group and you need to come up with five words, no, three words that universally describes good sex. Um, excuse me for a minute. I'm going to take a sip of my smoothie. Ah, much better. Get those um, vocal cords a little bit lubricated. Anyways, so they said, okay, what constitutes as universal good sex? This is where it got tricky. Because they posed the question, not, not what, what's good sex to you, but you as a group have to agree what universally constitutes as good sex. So we got all serious, analytical, politically correct, and got into the sex set kind of mode. What do you tell people and what's the reality of the situation? You know, because sometimes that actually, although you try to remain, you know, it, and it depends on what age you're lecturing to, but sometimes you have to, you have to be a professor first and a person, and a person second, which sounds really bad. I know it sounds like you're going from, for only the theory, but in fact, you have to lay out the ground rules, when, at least when you have inexperienced people. The rules trump the experience many of the times. And you can totally disagree with me on this one. Anyway, so people got like, hmm, communication, authenticity, consent, and all these words actually, and remind, I need to remind you that English was people's second or third language even. Um, and all these words entailed a lot of things. So there was a lot to unpack from every single word. And they were really good and they were really interesting. But we had all these words. And then like at the end of it, I was like, and they're like, are we missing a word? And I was like, you might want to add pleasure. So we had like 10 or 12 words and people were like, pleasure, interesting concept as a part of really good sex. And I was like, I know, we forget that sometimes. That's why my sex ed is pleasure first, people, pleasure first. Well, anyway. So it got me thinking a lot. I was like, wow, we're so academic and we're so professional. We're so in our heads and not in our bodies. And, 
and we have so different ideas, you know, even as sexologists, as what can, constitutes as great sex. And we, we were debating for like an hour and it was, oh, it was so enjoyable and so much fun and so interesting. I love getting into the nitty gritty and, and having these kinds of discussions and debates where we don't agree and we're like, why do you say that? Can you please explain what you mean? And I don't, I don't agree with you. I disagree with that. And, you know, but we need to be careful that people don't actually take it personally, which is always a risk factor when dealing with people because then people's feelings get hurt and they shut down sometimes not all people but some people do anyway it got me thinking that night we went to Turku it was in Turku Finland we went to the castle to have a really amazing nice gala dinner with like some actors playing king and queen and the court and they had all these medieval songs in even in Latin and Italian and it was really cool and the food was even You know, it reflected medieval times, which you might be thinking right now, oh, that sounds very disgusting. And I assure you, it was not. But that was my thought as well. Oh, my God. But I, I mean, I didn't need everything of it. But that's just because, you know, I really weird. Um, not exactly taste buds, although I do have weird taste buds. But it's more like I have I have this choke reflex, a gag reflex. And now you're thinking, oh, it's not good for her partner. Um, I have this really weird gag reflex with texture. So if I have some sort of weird texture, I just blah, I throw up. So there was a lot of things there that I was like, oh, no, I don't like smoked. I don't like too salty. I don't like too bitter. I don't like, you know, I don't like slimy. There you go. Anyway, so we had this entertainment and my back was really hurting in my pelvis because we'd been sitting all day and sitting all night and I was just really tired. So um, I stood up and I was kind of doing like those, um, what you do when you're pregnant, those kind of moves with your pelvis because I, I really was just trying some easy pain resolvent medicine there, you know, because I had no medicine. So I was like, okay, go into exercising without it being super awkward. And because people know that I do a lot of stand up about sex, um, Tina, the president of FIAS, the Finnish Association, one of the organizers for the... Um, for this event she's like oh Sika come do your stand up come on Sika we all want you to do it and I was like no super awkward super awkward super awkward but I ended up doing it bit of an out of body experience as it was totally unplanned I had been drinking no I wasn't drunk but I had been drinking and I never drink at work never er, er, er. I don't do it And um, it was totally unplanned, and we had a lot of people in the room that are colleagues, but also, you know, they're super smart. All the people in the room were, like, super smart, and it's a little bit intimidating trying to do it in front of your colleagues. It's not that... And it's not about, like, a power issue. It's not that I'm thinking about people who are not my colleagues as, like, you're not worthy, you're not smart. That's not the issue. It just felt weird, and the power dynamic was weird somehow. So it's, it's like... If you can pick up on vibes, say you're an empath, if you can pick up on vibes, it's like half the room is cheering you on and is like super excited. It's like, yeah, yeah, get into it, baby. And half the room is like, shut the fuck up. I just wish that you'd shut the fuck up. The kind of, it's kind of, it kind of was the vibe that I was picking. And not only was it the vibe that I was picking, I was actually told afterwards by one person, you should have just shut the fuck up. So that was interesting, you know. Sometimes you get compliments and sometimes you get told to shut the fuck up. And that's the way life is. And that's how we deal with it. And then it's up to us to decide, okay, who am I going to listen to? Is this constructive criticism or is this just being a bitch? You know, there's a difference. Anywho, 
I did this and I was like, okay, I did this little bit. And I was like, okay guys, help me out here. What the hell is happening to us when we're in a room full of sexologists, we get asked the question, what is great sex? And we have our hard time coming up with the answer. We're like, this is very interesting. On a theoretical um, theoretical level, I might want to research, res- you know, research, result, research. Ah, lost the word there. Anyways, so it's like, what about being in love when you were a teen? Go back to your teen years. Do you remember the lust? Do you remember the body expression? Do you remember being part of your body and feeling your body very actively? Because why? Yes, you were a teenager. You were going through all the changes of puberty, you know? Both mental and physical changes. So you kept monitoring your body and feeling it and discovering it and being very mindful of it. Because you had to, because it was so much going on. And I was like, where's that for us adults? We're so cerebral. Where are the feelings of being in love? What is it like being in love? Where are you guys at? And I might have used a little bit of coarse language. I might have cussed, cussed a little bit. And I might have been, in some opinion, in some people's opinion, rude. You know, and I wasn't trying to be, but it felt like a semi-safe space to at least throw some F-bombs around. Because come on. If we can't take it, who the hell can? I thought I thought we could do better, you know, not better. I thought we could totally have a good time and talk about fucking. But apparently, that's not to everybody's liking. That's so crude. In a room full of sexologists saying fucking is crude. I'm sorry, but what the hell? We need to pull our pants up or pull our pants down, depending on how you look at it. And we need to think about what we're doing here. We need to bring pleasure back into our work and our life. So this is what I use a lot when I do lectures, especially when I'm doing lectures to adults, you know, not obviously when I'm doing them to teenagers, but when I'm doing them to adults and for parents, let's say for parents, because I'm telling parents to or how to and what how to talk to their children about sex and love and sexuality and relationships, all that jazz. And one of the first slides that I get into, or one of the first things that I actually do say is, how were you as a teenager? So I have parents ask themselves that question. What were you like when you were a teenager? Go back. Go and try to remember those feelings of being really hot for somebody, but that may, may, may have been unrequited. Oh, how do you say that? Oh, I need to look it up. Unrequited. I don't know. So they may not have been hot for you back, you know? It may have been a one-way street. And all those anxious feelings of being unsure, not knowing, all the experiences lay ahead that were so scary because you didn't know what they were like. You know, it's all this uncertainty. And I I usually see some smirks on people's faces when I tell them to go back. But some people are actually kind of dumbfounded. Some people have this, like, blank stare on their face like what are you talking about why do I need to go back back to what back to who back to why and I'm going guys we're missing out such a huge part of being human of being alive when we don't allow ourselves to actually go into the experience of these feelings go back into time you know back to the future honey and go and just be be there sit with it and be like 
oh my lord, you know, and be silly. Think about all the quote unquote mistakes that you've been, that you, that you've done or what you did when you were a teen, you know, did you send like 150 love letters or did you proclaim your love? And that person was like, who are you? Uh, were you like stalker? Like, were you like, I've been thinking about you for so many years since we were 11. And that person's like, what's your name? Oh, oh, lordy lord. Did you ask, ask somebody for a kiss? And that person was like, no, thank you. Or they did kiss you and they totally attacked your mouth. And you're like, ew, disgusting. Is that what French kissing is? I will have no part in this. This is weird, strange and unhelpful. For me, for me personally and for my life... I actually benefit quite greatly from my dreams. Yeah, I know you're not supposed to talk about your dreams, snooze fest. But actually, I love talking about dreams. I'm writing a story about dreams, but that's another story. Ha <laughs> ha. Um, because when I was writing um, the teenage, the teen novel that I'm publishing now in just a few weeks, um, when I when I wrote that, I was like, okay. What was it like to be a teen? I need to go back. I need to go back to my own teen years. What did we say? What did me and my first boyfriend say? How do we talk to one another? How did we express love? How do we express our body, our sex? You know, how, how was it all? And of course, you know, I am only one person, so I can build on my personal experience, but I work with teens as well. So I can build up on collective experiences through what people tell me. But every time I have these dreams about love, it takes me back. It takes me back, at a, you know, and I have very vivid dreams and I remember my dreams. And it, and it kind of feels like sometimes like a mental cue from my consciousness being like, okay, Siga, um, it's not necessarily about the person you were with and about that relationship. It's more about feelings. How did you feel in the relationship? How did you behave? And those feelings reside within you and they are not necessarily connected to that moment or to that person you know the person does not own my feelings I own my feelings but what about the setting made me feel that way was it my connection with the partner and why was my connection so great so you start to dissect that's the word I was looking for you start to dissect all those memories and feelings and being like, hmm, there's something here. There's something good here. I need to bring this into my current life. Well, especially, I don't know if you know, I've said this a few times. And if you've been an avid listener of this podcast and not just a listener to eat just like random episodes. Uh, so I'm sorry if I'm repeating myself. But if you're a new listener or just some stumbled across this one, um, I'm a mother of three children. And I have a partner, been together for 11 years. And I've been thinking about it. I'm like, wow, it is hard to sustain being in love in a long-term relationship. And a lot of people actually don't agree with talking about long-term relationships as hard work. And maybe that's not an accurate description, saying hard work. But they're definitely work, you know, because life is work. Everything is work. Just then depends on how you define work. Um, but it's also about being mindful, mindful of how you are behaving, how you are reacting and actually communicating your needs to your partner. That's our biggest issue in every single relationship. We do not communicate our needs to our partner. We do not ask our partner, why do you do what you do? And we don't tell people or we don't even know because we've never posed those questions to ourselves. What makes me feel valued within this relationship? 
what bumps up my feelings of love and what bumps up your feelings of love and there I am totally guilty you get so dormant and you just you know years roll on days roll on experiences life events everything just it rolls on and then all of a sudden you're going wait what like when's the last time me and you just had like a really nice time together just the two of us as just like people and I'm like a person and you're a person and it's not about our home or the relationship or the children or the baggage or whatever it's just like hey how are you what are your interests you know kind of a, a date kind of feel and I'm not saying that you're going to go back to the experience of oh we were so in love when we first met although I do believe that you can gain some of that back you might not get the initial so obsessive high that you had with all those obsessive thoughts and behaviors but I do think that you can connect on that level again I think it is possible and sometimes for some couples that might start with just holding hands that might be a big step or even touching when you're in bed and I, I don't mean this in a sexual gentle manner or in a sexual manner or I don't I don't even mean nudity I just mean like what are little these little little tidbits of intimacy and little tidbits of love that you share with another person that you're like hey you know what we actually haven't done that for a while and that's actually something that I value or that I love and we just forget about it so I think sometimes we need to turn on our brain by turning on our body and the and vice versa so sometimes we need touch just direct touch without it being you know very conscious very like I am going to hold your hand now I will hold it for three minutes but just like is it okay if I hold your hand oh what yeah sure and just like holding a person's hand and being like wow that's nice I can feel your warmth you can squeeze me and I'm holding your hand it's so basic it's usually in most countries dependent on the sex of your partner and your orientation so safe it's safe here in Iceland um but it can be so meaningful and so important and it can start this um, chain reaction or chain of events if you will it can just it can light on your brain and be like hey remember we don't hold hands with that many people but here we are holding hands with this per- person do you remember what it feels like to hold their hand well you're welcome let's enjoy some hand holding And I think before I let you go, because this has been a really long episode, um, I think before you um, start thinking like, well, before you get into the politics of relationships, because relationships are politics and they are dynamics, they are power dynamics, and the power dynamics are not on and off, they're on like... Um, I don't know if you could say a lever, but it's like an equilibrium, you know? Um, sometimes you have the upper hand, <clears throat> and sometimes the other person has the upper hand. No relationship will benefit from it being totally a one-way street. Or um, It's like, what is it? Here in Iceland, it's called the Vegasaf. It's I think it's sea, sea, seesawing or something. Well, I don't know. Imagine this balance, this scale. Yes, thank you. Imagine a scale, like olden times of scales, where you had these two plates on either side of the arms and you could tilt the scale by putting more on one arm or heavier objects on one arm than was on the other plate. You know what I'm talking about. It's the sign for um, the star sign that we're in right now. Anyway, Libra, yeah. So think about it that way. And the scale will tip. It will tip depending on how your day has been, how you guys have communicated, what's going on, are you on your level of expertise and yada, yada, yada. There's a lot that goes on the plate. 
each and every day. And the scale will swing a little bit to either side. So what I was thinking is, okay, you know, and it, it's hard to be complete, to have the scale completely still and completely equal. It can happen, but it is hard. So what I've been thinking as well in relations to this is, okay, what have I been putting on the scale? How have I been tipping this? You know, is it tipping in my favor or my partner's favor? Because when it's tipping in my favor, that doesn't necessarily benefit the relationship, neither when it's tipping too much in my partner's favor. So it's always, you know, you need to find a sense of balance with as with everything in life. So I, yeah, and I was thinking a lot about this. And for some people, housework is really valued, okay? And you're thinking, housework, what the hell, am I a maid or something? No, no, you're not. But to some people, not all people, but to some people, housework, it signifies this is our home, this is a life that I can see that we have built together, and when you do not do housework, you're actually disrespecting me, you're disrespecting what we've built together, you're disrespecting... Um, our most sacred ground and it makes me feel very hurt and disappointed people don't actually communicate like this they're like mop the fucking floor that's your responsibility we divided chores you need to do this but i think if we were to be more honest and be like okay actually you know what when the when the house is clean i feel really valued because i feel I, i can feel pride in where we live and it's clean and that signifies that we are working to maintain this relationship and it's important to us. And when we come home to maybe a household that's just turned upside down, and this is not a female issue by any means, this is a person issue, and we're really tired from work and we feel that it's super important to, let's say, clear the dishwasher, that's one of those rules you need to set within your household. You know, but you cannot be a dictator you cannot be the one that's like i want everything spotless and clean so everything has to be spotless and clean all the time up with a mop it has to be within reasonable limits it has to be and you have to be able to communicate and say oh it wasn't done when i got home i'm, I'm really super tired do you mind doing it now and the other person in the relationship has to be able to respond to be like oh yes yeah, sorry i just decided to go and have coffee with so and so or you know i had some errands to run yeah sure i, I understand you're very tired how was your day i'll clean the dishwasher I think we sometimes get into the power struggle of it has to be done now and just ask yourself really do we have to do it now does it have to be this second or can it actually be later and what's the difference I understand some things need to be done at a certain time but I think sometimes this is where power struggles and power imbalances come into play and we're using we're using all these dynamics to be like you obey me you should obey me or we use it as an excuse to be really fucking pissed at that person and then we have at least what we feel as a totally legit reason for being super angry at that person where there might be a totally another reason or it might be really sensitive like i don't feel loved i need more attention from you i need this from you but we don't know how how to communicate it we have a hard time being vulnerable so what we what do we do we pick a fight about the dishes and then there's no holding hands this is your friend the sexologist saying let's talk about love 
This concludes this week's episode of Sex in Iceland. You can find us wherever you want to listen to your podcast and on social media. I'm on Instagram and Facebook and on S-I-G-G-A-D-O-G-G dot com. That's sickaduck.com.